Hello Waterloo Road fans, it's Tom here, your podcast host, just popping by as always to tell you about our subscription service over on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Pod, you can sign up to get loads of extra stuff from us, including extended versions of our interviews, there are some exciting ones in the pipeline as we speak. You get our reviews of other school-based shows. We're nearing the end of Britannia High. There are a few more of those to go. And there are loads of other shows that we can take on, like Teachers and Ackley Bridge. Uh, We also do extended, uh, in-depth looks at particular characters. And, of course, our Waterloo Road Awards, both parts of Series 5, are live now. All of that is available on the Patreon page. And I would like to thank those of you who have subscribed already. So thank you to Joe Buckle, to Matthew Kumar, to Natalie, aka Natalie the Book Reader on Instagram. Thank you to Tom Percival, to Eve, to Maddie, to Georgia Leah, who is the Avocado Bath on both Instagram and TikTok. Thank you to Sarah Mython, to Hannah Louise, who would like to shout out NHS Mental Health Services. Thank you to Claudia Graham, to Lottie Smith, to Dylan Gover, who is Dylan S. Gover on TikTok. Thank you to Lucy, and thank you to Emily Berry. Your support is much appreciated, and if you listening now would like to join that list of shout-outs, all you need to do is go to patreon.com slash waterlooroadpod. And now, without any further ado, let's get on with this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Everything From Nothing, the Waterloo Road podcast. I am Tom Beasley, your Waterloo Road superfan, joined as we approach the mid-series break of Series 6. Still not halfway. Never. We're never going to be halfway. We're not even halfway through this series yet. I don't think I've even introduced you. You're Luke Stevenson, aren't you? I am Luke Stevenson. I think you've given me the tea with caffeine in it. I haven't. It doesn't taste right. I bought my own decaf tea bags, and you've soiled them. <laughs> I'm telling you, that one's got caffeine in it. I can tell. I'm pepped up. I'm ready for a problem. Well, if I if I have <laughs> ups and downs of energy throughout this episode, you'll know it's because Tom's been done questionable things with my tea. <laughs> it was very. You just sort of handed me a little baggie across there. <laughs> I felt dirty. <laughs> Make a cup of hash tea. Yeah. So I thought that's what I was being asked to do. Maybe that's why it doesn't taste right. Well, yeah, exactly. Something drastic's happened between the walk here <laughs> with the baggies in my pocket. Um, now, this is the week of big revelations. Ooh. Two big revelations in Waterloo Road. Okay. One, Cheska's head turn in the credits over- overshoots it. <laughs> she turns too far. She, she looks past the camera rather than at it. And uh, Jonah has the best skin in the world. I mean, that's fair. There are a lot of close-ups of his face. <laughs> and in 4K, honestly, I was feeling it. It was. I, was drinking I mean, it, it might be a 4K TV, but <laughs> Waterloo Road is not 4K. I know, it, just, it, feels, it feels real to me. It's like, it's like you're there. <laughs> The, the strange revelation at the beginning of this episode. So the whole episode is about this CCTV, which apparently they've been talking about for months. It, it, it's, it's just brought in. We don't see any... All the debate happens after the fact. <laughs> yes. Which, 
which is, you know, it's, it's a bit like, you know, I suppose it's under a Tory government. It's kind of like we do and we apologise. Yes. Or barely apologise. Yeah. But it is very, it's maddening to me that teachers would just be like, oh, and you've just changed it to put it into our classrooms. The, like, literally the unions would have something to say about it. Yes. And I know Grantley has other things on, but yes. someone else would say... Someone should have said this is a union issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you could, you would not be able to clear that without There's one bit, the one bit where Tom's angry about it and he says, I can't believe you brought this in without proper consultation. And his mouth almost opens to say but that, the, the union will hear about this thing. he says proper concert no no person speaks like that <laughs> no person speaks like a government white paper but tom does in that moment and you just go well can you have <sighs> but the, the big revelation is that lauren is now a bully apparently <laughs> lauren's character is just all over the place she's just been stealing shit <laughs> Also, Chris spends 90% of his time in incriminating situations with teenage girls in his classroom. The and last like, person CCTV. should be flying the flag for CCTV. It's such a writer's solution, isn't it? It's like we've established that there's no way Chris and Jess are going to reveal this secret. <laughs> to be fair to them, you know, it's like... When Game of Thrones wrote itself into a corner, George R. R. Martin stopped writing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when these guys wrote themselves into a yes. corner, they went CCTV yes. classrooms. The new head of Waterloo Road is Bran Stark. <laughs> Sorry if you haven't seen it. It's been a few years. <laughs> Who has a better story than everyone? <laughs> I love the wearied way in which every uh, Game of Thrones alumni has to answer the question about it in every interview they do. <laughs> Like, Peter Dinklage just did the Cyrano press tour. John Bradley's doing the press tour for Moonfall at the moment, and he's just like, when um, I thought it was okay. When Kit Harrington's Black Knight comes yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. He's going he's gonna to hate it, because yeah. it's going to be him wielding a sword. Yeah. <laughs> so last time you wielded a sword. <laughs> so yeah, over the surveillance footage of Lauren, though, we got Pencil Full of Lead by Paolo Nutini, which is an excellent track. I, I, I have you as a Paolo Nutini fan. <laughs> <laughs> when we go to your wedding, you're gonna walk down the aisle to Palladino. Oh yeah, of course. It feels it feels very you. Yeah. So my my sister walked down. I believe Corin Bailey Ray, but that was too, that was appropriately 2006, 2008. Yeah. Yours will not be appropriately. <laughs> my music taste hasn't moved on from 2006, 2008. So I I realised this the other day when I was I was just looking for something to listen to, and I was just like. I'm going to listen to uh, Move Along by the All-American Rejects. I, I don't know a song that's happened <laughs> since 2009. That was the cut-off, was that track. Um, weirdly, when Karen shows up, he seems to have put the CCTV up without her say-so as well. Yeah, it's just like, you're just, and uh, by the way, it's in the classrooms. <laughs> but it's one of those things that, like, you know, people in authority... They want, like, overreach. That's what, yeah. it's what they want. But they can't publicly want it. Yeah. So she has to go, oh, well, you know, let's see how this plays. But she yeah. loves the idea she has she to watch it. all of her teachers. She loves it. Um, we On the Waterloo Road Awards we do on the Patreon, we have an award for most sort of 2009 or 2010 moment. Mm-hmm. And we have Ronan doing the Big Brother narrator voice. <laughs> I feel like that was dated even then. I feel like the, the writers really revealed their age by kind of touching on Big Brother like, as a cultural moment. I feel like it's kind of still, not quite heyday, but still. No, Glyn was the heyday. <laughs> yeah, what year was Glyn? Um, oh, Christ. Was he the same year as Pete and Nicky? He was, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was. I want to say 2005. Yeah, it's around that. Around 2005, 2006, because I remember... Uh, that was the year I got into it. I think I had, was it had Grace in that season? Or was it like, yeah, Grace and Mikey? Or that might be the Possibly. other season. It had uh, Imogen yes. in it as well. And um, I remember going to play a cricket match. 
and being very, very intense that we had to finish the match. Like, we had to win yeah. quickly so that I could get home and watch. Well, otherwise you'd just miss it. Well, yeah. That's how it worked then. Yeah, these people like watching this on catch up. I know, know, yeah. No, you can't just go, oh, I'll catch up with this on 15 years where they all put it all on iPlayer. Yeah. <laughs> but like every 14 year old, the reason I watched Big Brother was not because I was into the story, it's because it was boobs. Yeah. <laughs> that was because that was McCosey season <laughs> and the bloody hot tub. <laughs> and King, that was that, that warped me that day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we should talk about the episode at some point. It's going to be a punishingly long edit. Um, so we get a little tiny bit of continuity from last week where Jess asks Vicky about her new place and whether she's happy there. She has to ask that courtesy question before she immediately segues into talking about her sex life. Yeah. Like, just, I just, I want someone to tell Jess and Jonah that they aren't the one. Because it's just... <sighs> They're not, find, they're not flicking Marley, are they? I find teen love just really exhausting. Just like someone tell them it's going to die. But, but when it was flicking Marley, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, but even that died. <laughs> they got back together at the end. Flick got beat. No, Marley got beat into a pulp by her dad. And it brought them closer together. <laughs> and it destroyed the school. Where is Flick now? <laughs> Flick went to uni. We know this. Did She's you? probably writing all of the university songs. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so Jess says that she she really really likes Jonah, which of course inevitably means that it's going to come crashing down. <laughs> yes, because love dies. Teen love isn't forever. It crashes and burns. She says she's really fallen for him, like she's on Love Island rather than being a seventeen year old girl. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's nice, isn't he? That's what she'd be saying. <laughs> I l u v him. That's what she'd say. It's like, I love him or I heart emoji him. We're still yeah. like yeah, MSN. You have. You have his name and a heart. Yeah, XOXOXO. XO, XO. I'm not sure she's Gossip Girl. <laughs> Did you not have XOXOXO? No. When someone pointed out that XO meant hugs and kisses, I, I thought that was deranged. <laughs> what, did you, what did you think the O was? I'm not used to the O. <laughs> well, I hug when you can kiss uh, yes. virtually. Of course. Um, so Ruby's cooing over baby pictures. Uh, Janice is sort of looking on, sadly. Because she is a slave to her uterine urges. <laughs> yes. Uterine, <laughs> uterine instincts, I think it was. I'm, I'm developing it. Y- okay. Um, <laughs> so Tom goes over to sort of try and help her. He says there's nothing written down yet, so it's not legal, because he's a Judge Rinder fan. Yeah. If uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's one thing that Tom cares about, it's about women not giving up children. <laughs> So the teachers are rightly outraged at the fact that there are cameras in their classrooms and they weren't told about it. There's a really weird moment where um, Karen just calls out Grantley's flexi time. He just walks in and she goes, you're enjoying the flexi time, Grantley? I was like, okay, well, that means nothing. Yeah, I didn't know if she was, like, joking. I didn't know if she was, like, barbing him. Yeah. We hadn't seen flexi time. Yeah, I didn't know if she was... It's it's return to work season in the pandemic. (laughs) Flexi time is a hot issue, Karen. Yeah. No, I I couldn't tell whether she was being serious or not when she said that. Um, So, yeah, they're going on about the lack of consultation. No one says it's a union issue for some reason. Chris says it's only a trial. It's a bloody expensive thing to do. It's very expensive. For a trial period. You would would trial it in the communal spaces and then go, if you think it's valuable, then put it in the teacher space. Video and audio. No one has audio. Because the plot requires there to be audio. The plot does require... (laughs) Well, there is not even one of those cameras. Yes, (laughs) see, you would have gotten away with that. 
But yeah, so that I webcam watched... is excellent, by the way. <laughs> I have some thoughts about the bloody webcam. In 2011, no one had a wireless webcam that also wasn't flashing yeah, when it was on. With a live feed. Perfect <laughs> video and audio. <laughs> God, imagine, the, imagine if we had that technology, how short every Netflix true crime documentary <laughs> would be. And they found him because he revealed himself by speaking loudly near a camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in the science classroom with Chris. Ronan jokes about the cameras being there to protect pupils from teachers coming onto them. And there's a very pregnant look between Chris and Jess. <laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> It's so self-incriminating. What's nice is the way they've like blocked the scene is that when he looks at Jess, you can see Jess in the foreground and Vicky in the background is also like, who are misses? But then he just looks at her. But like again, in that moment, just for the sake of that look, so that we know, oh, the drama of the episode is that this comes out, is they forget about the fact that that's not their story. No, he didn't come on to a student. <laughs> no. <laughs> So Marcus enlists Jonah and Ronan to do a PowerPoint against the CCTV and then compares Jonah to Martin Luther King. Famously, Martin Luther King did just do PowerPoint. It was was PowerPoint and it was stats about, you know, uh, CCTV overreach, basically. That was the thing, it was like, oh, get me some CCTV stats. Like what? Yeah. Like, I'm going to show you how many seasons. And Jonah's not are. your stat guy. We know from the magazine, Finn's your stat guy. Exactly. He's the data journalist of this school. <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair, Ronan calls out the Martin Luther King stuff because when they hide the webcam in the staff room, he says to Jonah, Martin Luther King did this. <laughs> <laughs> See, again, that was a great moment for Jonah. Code. No, 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 the FBI. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to invoke it, Wally Ronan, know the yeah. history. So, um, Chris says to Vicky, um, I need to initiate some drama for this episode. So your exam results are not in my classroom, they're in the staff room. Why? Right next to this webcam. <laughs> let's let's discuss our plans in this well area. It's, it's exactly that. So we find out that Vicky got a B in her exam retake. Um, but this conversation's only happening. So Vicky can, for some reason, painstakingly describe something they both already know about. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, it's, they've done it last week. They're over it. But no, she has to sit there and she has to go, oh, I won't tell... It's like, she might as well just go, I won't tell anybody about the full frontal sex. <laughs> <laughs> The socks off sex you had with Jess Fisher, daughter of Harry, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly, and girlfriend of Jonah. Yeah. So Jonah is watching this. He finds out not a very convincing, shocked face that Jonah, in an episode where the lad playing Jonah does a really good job, except for in that one precise moment. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like a, just a it's slight like, open mouth. Jonah has to go from zero to one thousand very quickly. Yeah, because. <laughs> The thing is, is right. If you understand, like, the, the episode needs him to go. I know immediately. Yeah. Whereas from what she says is, I would never tell anyone that this happened. It, like, it could be that she was just saying that yeah, yeah, out yeah. of nowhere, which she's done before. Yeah, yes, she has four. Yeah. Um, but no, he's just immediately just like, right, I must go attack this man. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, he bumps into Jess in the corridor, calls her a liar and a cheat, and then has a fight with Chris. Like. Why is he going to rely on a cheat? Technically, she didn't cheat on anyone. And technically, Chris isn't a paedophile. <laughs> but he, he, Jonah doesn't know this at this point. He thinks she's still carrying on with Mead. Okay. 
because um, that's why he's so like happy later initially <laughs> when he's told that it's all over and yeah, it was all before Jess, they met. Where Jess invokes the Metropolitan to police defence. Yes, it happened so. It long happened ago. so long ago. It was like <laughs> six or seven weeks ago. <laughs> you can't um, prosecute me for this. No. Um, so Chris again wants to immediately tell Karen. Um, but Jess says, oh, I can get Jonah to stay quiet. And Chris bafflingly goes, yes, that's a good course of action to take. Oh, God. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, Ronan has assembled loads of the kids to watch the webcam. 50p a go. You can charge more. <laughs> you 50p? Sorry, you cut all the things I say out, so I'm not going into how much it costs to watch live feeds <laughs> through a webcam. <laughs> Wow. Well, <laughs> my mind is clean. <laughs> that says more about you than it does about me. It's a 2011 market. <laughs> it's, a, it's a depressed system. Um, so, yeah, so they're all watching as Grantley uh, makes some crack about Karen not watching her daughters more closely um, and then tells the story about how last week um, Fleur didn't recognise him and, and hit him with a book. At the start of this chat, Ruby is being very smug and needly for someone who knows his wife has Alzheimer's. <laughs> yes. She is just like, oh, you seem a bit unpleasant this morning. Of course he feels unpleasant. What's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah. Um, so, Ruth, there's, there's many strange bits in this where Ruth makes the case for CCTV. But here, here it's, it's such some, a limp-wristed case, yeah, isn't it? Here it's something about terrorism. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, you know, whatever bomb goes off, you want to see who's done it. It's like, Ruth, there's a, there's a lot of degrees of separation yeah. between here and there. Yeah. It's, um, it's, well, it's, they just go, oh, we brought this in, we might as well have the debate, but they're just really not interested in the debate No, because there's a lot of other things going on. Um, so Jess then tells Jonah the truth, to be fair, about what happened with Chris, um, and basically begs Jonah to, to stay quiet. For the sake of all of them. Yeah, it's convenient that for the small, small crime of a child attacking a teacher, Karen employs the, let's let him stew outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's keep him in overnight. <laughs> let, let's, you know, in this unattended office, let's allow him to stew so Jess can come in and make this intervention <laughs> before. So Janice goes to talk to Ruby about the baby. Um... There's a whole weird bit where Ruby's just babbling on about these food planners the kids have done. It's because she doesn't want to hear the truth. Yeah, well, initially, eventually it is. But to begin with, she's just babbling. Cold meat feast pizza. Yeah, then she's going on about crisps and gravy. Is that a thing even in the North? I don't know. Is that what Adele does? I don't know. What was the thing that Adele does? I don't know. In like, the crisp packet, she do something. She put something in the. I don't know. I don't think it's gravy. <laughs> She's from Essex and she wouldn't do gravy. No. It's not north enough. No. Um, so uh, Janice says that she wants her baby back. I want my baby back, baby. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we just had to get that out of the way, I think, didn't we? Um, so that's a reference, isn't it? Goodness me. Any, any American sitcom in the noughties <laughs> had a baby back reference moment. <laughs> yeah, the most 2000 and whatever thing is whatever reference we're making. Um, so... Uh, Ruby does the whole thing where she's sort of pretending not to hear, then goes through a, a baffling cycle of like ways to try and talk her out of it. First, she just throws depression around. Yeah, throws postnatal depression in there. She's a fine one to talk about just throwing <laughs> depression around. No, she spent a, she spent a good half of a year yelling at anyone who said that to her. She's yeah, like, I'm just gonna play this card right here. 
Yeah. Then she blames Tom. And then she says, well, it's too late anyway. John has gone to the solicitor. As if she wasn't ever going to have to sign something. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, even if the, all of that were true. Like, honestly, the dozens of children I've lost because someone <laughs> somewhere else yeah. has just signed a document. Well, it's too late. They've gone to the solicitor. So. Yeah, they've gone to the solicitor. They've signed the documents. That child is now theirs. Yeah. So I have no, no, it's just this no, what's happened. They've gone to the solicitor. It's over. Um, uh, Karen, to be fair to her, has a zero tolerance policy for violence against teachers. But teachers should announce it first. <laughs> Jonah didn't know. Um, so uh, Jonah's sort of floundering, trying to explain what happened, and then Chris walks in, and there's a whole thing. Chris wants to let Jonah off, but Karen is like, "No, I'm going to call the police," because Karen has no time for whether Chris wants to press charges. No. <laughs> she knows it's a matter for the Crown Prosecution Service. <laughs> and they'll say how long ago was this <laughs> yes I'm sure they will the um, thing that I find amazing here is Marcus does his you know his Martin Luther King uh, evocation evocation no that's not the right word let's, let's go with it evoking um, <laughs> uh, earlier on and then the moment that his son is like involved in something he goes full nepotism. Like, Jonah would do this. Yeah. If, if he punched a teacher in the face, there was a reason. There was a, that teacher must and have deserved just, it. Like, again, Martin Luther King, a bastion of peaceful protest. Yeah. He goes, Jonah would only hit someone if he had a reason to. <laughs> Famously, that's what Martin Luther King used yeah, to say. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, I'll, I'll punch him when I get a reason. Yeah, so Marcus is like... <laughs> Marcus is proper detective in this scene. Because <laughs> he's like... He's not convinced by Chris, and then Chris is like, oh, I, actually, I do know why Jonah did it. Um, comes up with some excuse about Jonah overhearing Chris slagging off his dad because of the CCTV thing. And then Jonah says it's true, and then they, they leave because Chris and Karen have become distracted by the office phone because Janice is gone, and the reason she's gone is because she's gone to the creche, which seems to be in the canteen. <laughs> It's not really a creche, is it? No, we, there's a dedicated... Maybe it's, it's snack time. We've seen the dedicated room where the creche is. <laughs> yeah, but that's hard to get in. Janice worked in the dedicated <laughs> yeah, room yeah. where the creche was. Yeah. But no, she just goes to the, the canteen and the people in the creche are not watching. <laughs> oh, that's Janine. She's back here to work. Yeah, yeah. Very strange. Um... So while all this is going on, Grantley's class are doing jokes about what they've overheard. Not particularly good jokes. <laughs> No, it's just, re- like, again, yeah. It's just so, it's so coded that even he can't pick up on it. But it's all done just so Philip Martin Brown can have his Shakespearean moment where they draw the line between him feeling guilty and Lady Macbeth feeling guilt. Oh. <laughs> it's horrendous, isn't it? Someone in the writer's room thought that was great. And then for some reason, then in the next scene... He goes, he goes from carry on Lady Macbeth to carry on Grantley when he's just like, I've got a mug, I'm going to drop it over here. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It's ridiculous. Also, he hasn't taken out that poem as the First World War poster in six years. <laughs> but that's very in keeping with Grantley, I feel. Well, yeah. And I suppose the poem is the First World War. They didn't get more up to date, do they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like it was brand new when he put it up. <laughs> it's been there for a hundred years. Um, so Vicky then goes to talk to Jonah um, but she makes it sound like Jess is still into Chris because she says oh Jess only went out with Finn to make Mr Mead jealous weird thing to say anyway she didn't say jealous just to wind him up yeah which is different from jealous yeah 
Not different enough. Not different enough. <laughs> Joe, 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 I just think Joe's not wealthy enough. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. Joe, Joe basically has, give it ten, give it ten years. Pretty much every teenage boy's reaction to being cuckolded, really. <laughs> That's what happens to him in this episode. Not a good enough reason to use the word cuckolded, I don't think. <laughs> um, so jo- Jonah then looks through the window as Chris just happens to be sort of reassuring Jess by the, the touching about, her shoulder. The thing about that is, right, is you've already introduced the CCTV device. <laughs> yes. So why don't you have him write the letter, take it to Karen's office, and then have him see it through CCTV, where therefore the CCTV can do something else to incriminate Chris. It's there for one specific purpose <laughs> and one specific purpose only. Um, so uh, Ruby is running around because she's found out the baby's missing. Um, Grantley kind of stops her and accuses her of gossiping about uh, the Fleur situation because all the kids seem to know. Um, Tom finds Janice in the toilets, goes there with, with Ruby. Um, she's in there with Cheryl, who's crying. I'm going to alternate between calling the baby Cheryl and Poppy, I think. Okay, that's very, that's, yeah, very, <laughs> that's very aware of you. <laughs> As ownership transfers. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um... So Cheryl's crying and Janice is trying to stop her crying and Janice does some stuff about, oh, it's like every part of me is telling me I'm a mum now. Uh, so she's sort of worried that she's going to be in big trouble now. Tom says that, oh, I'm not going to let anyone take her if that's not what you want. If he's the sort of <laughs> baby police. He's really, he's really inserted himself <laughs> yeah, in this, hasn't he? Has, he? Yeah. He's like, I haven't had a wayward child to be responsible for in a good half a series. <laughs> It's weird as well, and I don't really understand where they go with it because Janice is like upset that she can't calm the baby, and she hands the baby to Ruby, and I was like, oh, maybe she's not gonna. Well, but then I was getting annoyed by the idea that oh, she's gonna give up being a mum, she can't get a baby to stop crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought I was gonna do. In which case, the streets would just be littered yeah. with children. The, ba- the baby the is better with you. I, I thought that genuinely. I thought that's where they were going. Um, so Ruth, Ruth and uh, Harry have come to this meeting that Marcus has organised and they want to fight for the CCTV Harry says it's top of my Christmas list <laughs> oh Harry <laughs> oh, bully children um, so back in the staff room uh, Grantley's like weirdly wandering around they ask what he's doing and he says he's reenacting his movements and then he finds the uh, the webcam and I love I love the face Chris does when he goes, Oh, oh, I see what's happened here. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> look, look, Bradley, those are your chicken those are my chickens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was wondering when they'd show up. <laughs> um, and then we get the presentation scene, which is deeply, deeply weird. So Because Chris- it's it's just like an open forum debate where the teacher is presenting to children. The children <laughs> have no say. Yeah. Finn's just sat there in the front row, like heckling along. It's just ridiculous. And then, but then they set up the drama, and then the drama doesn't happen. I I wrote down the. I was excited for this, even though I would have to have paused the TV a dozen times to watch with my fingers. But then <laughs> they just cut to the yeah. So like Chris arrives as Jonah's starting to do this presentation, but it's it's Philip Neverfill. It's it's exactly Philip Neverfill, and it's just like. 
I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. I'm going to talk about it pointedly, but I'm not going to reveal your crimes. <laughs> yeah. So Jonah's like, oh, how will you feel if all of your secrets were on show? And then it's just the video of Grantley spilling coffee. And stealing biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> what do the kids at this point think Jonah was doing? Yeah, exactly. He's done this big speech to Mr. Mead, and then it's just some slapstick involving Mr. Budgeon. Yeah. Very strange. Very strange. Um... So then we have uh, Janice telling Ruby how much she wants to to have Cheryl back. Um, you know, I don't think the writing of any of this is particularly good, but Chelsea Healy's really putting in the work. I, I think this having this come to a head in this episode just strangles it. It cuts all the life out of it because all you're preoccupied with is the drama happening. Yeah. Because that's, that's the drama of the series. It's yeah. all coming out now. Um, but instead they're trying to button down this storyline, which had as much, like, it's gone on as long, but it hasn't been as big a focal point exactly. in the whole yeah. series. Yeah. Um, so they just kind of try to just write it all off in this little in this little moment. I think it's well acted, yeah. but I just didn't care. Yeah. You've got Ralph Innocent there doing his big dramatic moment as John, and he doesn't say Datra once. It's disgraceful. He's, I, well, I, I, his I, job I, as brand spokesperson, gone. Janice was just there like, look, I know I gave you the child, but you said you'd be driving them around in a Dacia. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Jonah says to Chris... Can I that... just say that Ruby gives up the baby 20 minutes before the end of the episode? <laughs> yes. There is an ocean of episode to go. There's so much episode There's a whole episode of the Big Bang Theory left. Yeah, there's like, the there's, like, there's like two and a half pages of my notes to go. So Jonah changes his mind six more times. <laughs> so Jonah then says to Chris that the pep talk he got from... Because Ruth gave him some pep talk about how the CCTV's not bad. It's about how you use it. Weird. It's okay to live in a surveillance state as long as nice people are looking at the footage. I mean, we say that. I'm staring at my iPhone right now. That on, with my Apple Watch on my wrist. That is literally the bargain I made yeah. with the world's biggest company. Yeah. I said, by the way, have all of this information about me, and it's fine. And multiple cameras with which you can watch me at all it's times like, of the day. It seen me do some things. <laughs> So, uh, Chris seems to think it's all blown over at this point. You see, like, he's remarkably... Like, for someone who goes, I was mortified and I felt sick, he gets over it remarkably quickly yeah. every time. And then he's like, oh, mate, you know, she was just mortified about the the fact that she'd messed it up with you. Um, uh, and he's like, oh, so you're going to write that letter then? And he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, I've got a conscience. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I just want me to just say, Jonah, look, get over it. Teenage love dies. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Jonah's like, people should, it's like my dad said about the CCTV, people should do the right thing because it's the right thing, not because they might get found out. He gets his moment. You know, but that, but people getting found out and the risk of people getting found out is what does keep several psychopaths in check. Yes. <laughs> it's true. So, uh, Grantley goes off to, uh, apologise to Ruby, uh, and, but then Ruby says, oh, your love for Fleur is actually hurting her and you need to let her go. And then we how see was, Ruby ringing a mobile number. How is Ruby emotionally put together enough to do this? <laughs> yes. that's, that's the thing. Like she's, her, quite, she's quite clear-eyed in this scene. Her, she's just given up her baby. Yeah. And, and as Grantley walks in, she's, like, looking mournfully at photos. Yeah. And she's just... T- because that's the thing, is she is the character who's integrally in... 
Grantley's storyline yeah. and this storyline. And never, Grantley never talks to her about her child. No. So those storylines don't exist with one another. Yeah. It's just Ruby as a character in both. Yeah. So in this one, she just sagely gives him advice yeah. on how to handle it. It is like there's two separate Rubies, one who's doing the baby storyline and one who's doing the Grantley yes, storyline. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very weird, but we see Ruby cryptically ring a phone number. The cavalry. The cavalry. I was disappointed by the cavalry. Were you? Yeah. I was quite excited by the cavalry. You would be. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jonah goes to see Karen. Karen's like, have you got a letter? And he said, I haven't written the letter. And then Chris comes in and says, it's okay, Jonah, you can go. And then Chris is a consummate pro here because before he delivers the bomb, he's like, well, I need to wrap up this episode's arc. So he's like, before I start, I don't think we should extend the trial on the cameras. <laughs> I was like, Chris, that's not the issue on the table here. Well, that's like one day of the cameras and Karen is about to find out that has prompted Chris to reveal that he has sex with her daughter. And then he's being like, no more cameras. I go, what else do you have to hide, Chris? Yeah. Like, I've, we've been saying for ages that Chris should have just told her from the start. Yeah. But in seeing, like, seeing the actual conversation happen, I understand why he couldn't. Because I would have done this in a Facebook message. <laughs> 2011, I did all of my emotion devastating things in a Facebook message. It was like, bam, done. But yeah, he, he tells her the truth. I like the way he like breadcrumbs it out. He doesn't just tell her. He's like, do you remember when I wanted to resign? Well, there was a reason. I went to a club and I met a girl. And that girl was lovely. <laughs> I've been left out the lovely. I just... They needed to make bigger efforts to just say the phrase over 18s. Because that's, mm-hmm. that's the big thing both of them miss out in their stories yeah. here, is he was in an over 18s... He said it to her in episode one, says it was over 18s only. Yeah. And, you know, that gets him out of so much trouble, but then... The, I don't know if it gets him out of the trouble. The, the, <laughs> like, then the trouble is that he hid it, right? Yeah. It, you know, and you know, people should ask more questions. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know... It's a it's a forgivable mistake. It's an awkward bloody mistake. It's a forgivable mistake if on day one you say, "Look, I was at an over 18s club last night. She came over. We went home. I now realise she's seventeen, your child, yeah. and a pupil at the school." But so even if he'd done that, it still makes his position at the school completely untenable. Yes, <laughs> by, any, by any normal standard. Yeah, I believe if you've seen any of your pupils naked, that's a that's a discount. Yes, a discount. <laughs> not not a discount. <laughs> that's the wrong choice of words. <laughs> That's a, that's a you're discounted. Yes. <laughs> that's what I mean. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, like, even if he'd, yeah, even if he'd done it at the earliest possible opportunity and had told the truth, he still could not have carried on at that school. No. And so the, that makes the next ten minutes of this episode mad. <laughs> <laughs> I, the thing is, what I find really odd is when Karen is talking to Chris and then to Jess, the show wants us to agree with Chris and Jess. Right, I really feel like the show wants us yeah. to feel that way. But what Carrie is saying is, I feel like in mod, in like in our standards now, is correct. She was like, "You're 16 or 17. He's, you know, he's doing what's best for him by keeping this quiet. You're having to shoulder this just as much as he is. It's selfishness. That's all true. He he's the only person who benefits." from not telling this story. The, the, the language of the scene between Karen and Jess, I found very uncomfortable because the language Jess is using 
is language really common in abuse survivors? Yeah. Where she was like, it was me, I did all the running, I instigated it, it was all me. Yeah. And what the show is doing is gearing for us to forgive Chris. Yes. (laughs) But, like, that's it. Because we... Just show us that then. Like, just... I know they wanted to twist everything, but if we could have seen, you know, do a flashback to that night or whatever, (laughs) something like that, then we might, you know, understand it. But, like, the idea that she... That's too much narrative trickery for this show. A flashback. do Do you remember the start of series, like, four, when Rachel had dreams... I do remember. Horror dreams. And they were all scared until they took it to, to leave for school. It was yeah. amazing. Jack Rimmer had horror dreams as Jack well. Rimmer had horror dreams, yeah. yeah. Whilst was Karen's living her horror <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, very much so. It could get worse, could it? But yeah, I, I do I do agree with you. It's like, because they want us to forgive Chris, but I maybe it's just like, we know, we know Chris, we know the story since episode one, well, we know technically, but I feel like if you have to put technically in front of not a pedo, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. Yeah, it, it's not much better, is it? <laughs> <laughs> like, no one's ever benefited from having to use like technically I'm not a no yeah um, absolutely like, it is like I'm not a paedophile but isn't it yeah. it's not <laughs> the thing as well is like so if we rethink we we gave Davina far too much freedom <laughs> in series two because not only did the same story happen but she carried on <laughs> yes but we were uncomfortable about it so Jonah goes to see Jess uh, takes her to task for making him lie uh, and says that you cared more about Mr. Mead than you did about me. So much of it is wrapped up in Chris, Me- in Chris Mead's job that you forget. Like, I really buy Jess's whole thing, which is, oh, I don't want to have to go through all of the... I don't have to feel guilty about him losing his job because he's a good guy. I don't want to feel like this, this. I didn't really buy Jess's excuse for wanting to keep it secret. No. Um, then after this, we get the scene where she goes to see her mum and they do the... I, yeah, as I say, I found the language really uncomfortable because it is the language of an abuse survivor. <laughs> And, and, but in this context, it's being deployed to make us forgive Chris rather than show how bad her scenario was. Mm-hmm. Um, she even suggests, oh, maybe it's because you and me are messed up, her and her mum. Like, maybe it was my fault. Ooh, not good, not good, bad. Because um, basically, it ends into a, again, which we've done with Jess once before, basically into a slut shaming arrangement whereby, because. She goes, my home life is sad, therefore I go out and all of this sex I have is because of sadness. Yeah. Could, like, we can't... We have to we have to view what happened between her and Chris as a tragedy for us to be able to go, oh, okay, it's forgiveness. Whereas, like, again, just say, oh, it happened when none of us knew all of this stuff. Technically. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, the thing that it comes down to is if you're a teacher, you have to be morally unimpeachable. That's, that's what you sign up for when you're a teacher. Yes. You know, you can't take risks like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just part of the deal when you sign up to that yeah. profession. But, like, even, you know, there's a line of immoral impe- in unimpeachability, and far below that line is having <laughs> had sex with one of your students. Yes. Even if technically... Technically. Te- technically. <laughs> um, on a lighter note, Jess is worried that the governors might get involved and it will end up in the school newspaper. I won't be worried about the school newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about the op-ed that Finn will write. I'm not... <laughs> I, I'd be worried about ending up in the dock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was very strange. She had a pretty small view of where this story could go. <laughs> um, but there's a, ni- a really nice bit of writing where they've had this really long conversation and at the end, Jess just says, oh, Jonah broke up with me, Mum. And she instantly becomes a child. 
Yeah. And I loved that. I thought that was really well done. I think they do that with Jess quite well because obviously from from episode one we're geared to go Chris Chris isn't at fault. That's what the show is telling us. That's what the show is telling us. From episode one is he's not at fault for this. So what they do is they jump Jess up and down. I've said this before. They jump up and down in how old she looks, appears, and how old she talks. So there are times when she carries herself like a 25-year-old woman. And there are times when she's a 16-year-old. And they they never... The 25-year-old is always around Chris. They never drop into the 16-year-old around. So that means we as an audience are going, going, oh, it was fine. Of Of course he thought it was... It was fine, yeah. but then yeah, they remind you that she is, a, you know, she is sixteen yeah. and quite sensitive. Yeah, I really like that. Um, so Marcus then comes in, um, and he, he rightly is completely incredulous when she is sort of like, "Well, if I sack him," <laughs> Marcus is like, "You're sacking the guy." <laughs> but I'm not sure because Marcus is. All of this argument is based on he almost let Jonah get expelled for yeah. whatever he... I don't think Marcus knows what actually happened, but he's like, he almost let Jonah get expelled when he shouldn't yeah. have. And then... But then she kind of makes a point, well, he kept telling him he didn't want it to happen, mm. but I just... Um, so then uh, Marcus uh, drops the bombshell that you have to sack Chris Mead or I resign. It's me or him. <laughs> do you reckon... I, I know that Chris had sex with her daughter, but do you reckon if Marcus didn't make a big point about holding a presentation against her school policy all day, <laughs> he might have won the argument? Perhaps. Um, so we then see uh, Karen watching on the CCTV as Chris packs his bag in his classroom. His final sitcom moment. Yeah. Where he sort of looks at the classroom, he turns on the light ruefully as, yeah, he, leaves, as all, he leaves. All the chemicals stolen. <laughs> yeah. It just looks at all the empty spaces where the chemicals used to be. Do you remember my last day at Bournemouth Uni? I was in one of the like um, online journalism studios, um, and I'd finished everything I was going to do, and I was leaving. I'd like, like, oh, I'm leaving last time. Does anyone mind if I turn the light off on the way out? <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did you look mournfully in as yeah, you Yeah, I said, anyone mind if I look back, <laughs> yeah. nod, and turn the light off? Yeah, and that's what I did. But that, but then they use Karen's PC for like a Star Wars wipe transition to Chris in the pub. Oh, Star Wars wipe. I classic. thought it was good. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Karen then goes to see Chris in the pub. Says that Marcus has issued this ultimatum. Um. Chris talks about how he was trying to do the right thing by everyone, and then Karen rightly says, "What you should have done is avoid the situation in the first place." Yeah. But then again, te- technically, but like <laughs> technically, <laughs> you, I just want someone to say the phrase "over 18s club." Like again, people should do more due diligence. <laughs> I pro more due diligence. He does. He, the actor does do great staring into the void, upset acting. Yeah, he? he has like eye contact with a soul in this. Episode. Yeah, a, <laughs> but then we get this. This uh, I don't understand how this conversation gets to Chris keeping his job. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't understand what the mistake is when she goes one more mistake and you're out. Well, the bar is set fascinatingly high. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, so basically, anything underneath having sex with your other daughter is fine. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So like, uh, Chris is like, oh, so will Marcus get my job? And Karen's like, yeah, he probably will if you leave. And then Chris is like, <laughs> Chris rightly's like, what? <laughs> what do I have to do? <laughs> well, so it's, if Grantley's still a job. Um, Karen says so she basically suggests that the reason he got into this situation is because he was fast tracked to being a deputy head 
Well, he was still young, and that's I mean, why he had no choice but to compromise himself in an awful way. As, you know, there's being fast-tracked, and then there's just... So, I, just, I want to see an alternate universe where he tells her on day one. I want to see how this plays out. Yeah. He tells her day one. So she says, "If you recognise your experience, your inexperience, and learn from it." And then she frames this as her getting the tr- getting to be selfish and to basically say, "I want you to stay, and therefore you're staying." But wh- why would she want him to stay? He slept with her daughter and hid it for a, at least two or three months. Yeah. It's like if you can ask a colleague what does my child look like naked and they have an answer they have an informed answer that's no that's, yeah. that's a no no <laughs> yes that is absolutely <laughs> yeah disgraceful I, it is it's so I, I put in this episode people act like adults in like five minute bursts <laughs> so like when Karen is speaking to Jess and Chris in her office she is being entirely rational yeah 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 absolutely when she is speaking here she is not being rational by any no by she's any doing standards. what the storyline requires because they've signed him up for another half a series yeah, yeah, yeah. or two um, so we've seen a man sort of listening to their conversation from the other side of the pub um, and then the, the man there like bumps Chris in the back and he initially thinks it's Marcus but we realise it's Charlie just for do, some reason just to do man things and then Charlie goes if you ever touch my daughter again I'll kill you and it's just like Chris just goes well you're not listening <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know she was your daughter beforehand and since then I've, I've done it my, my level best to avoid that situation yeah I, the thing is I don't think I didn't know she was your daughter I thought I was just randomly bunking up with some young looking 18 year old in the club <laughs> is the defence he thinks it is it's not the defence he thinks it is, but it is the defence he has to technically, technically... It isn't good. I mean, like, like at this point in time, there are three billion men in the world. I would put Chris, probably three billion, on the list of men who are going to go near Jess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He knows how to learn a lesson. Um, so, Grantley then gets home, and Steph is there, chatting to Fleur. It's a bit like how they stick Luke Skywalker in every Star Wars show now, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't sure about the digital effects on yeah, yeah. Uh, on Steph. Just slap a bit of Steph, it, Steph in there. Um, so yeah, uh, Fleur's talking to Steph, but thinks that Steph is her her mum. Steph then goes to tell Grantley. Uh, Ruby called her for help, um, but we see that he already sort of have, has a leaflet for a care home, so he's obviously already preparing for that eventuality. Okay, and now now we get to the hellscape of a cliffhanger. <laughs> Absolute hellscape. Suddenly, suddenly the CCTV gambit is all worthwhile. <laughs> but here's the thing, okay? So, the, the shot, empty the shot. school through the CCTV. Yeah. Then, grey crinkles down the screen. Yeah. And then, person stood in the middle of the shot. Yeah, hooded figure. Hooded, hooded figure. Hooded, hooded figure. Be? It always makes me sound like Matt Barry. <laughs> Who could it be? Um, but the time code doesn't change. <laughs> So what happens is, uh, I believe something 35 seconds, the screen goes black, goes there, and then 36, figure stood in the middle. But the whole screen wasn't obscured. So not only is this new mystery character entering the show, they're entering the show for the miracle of teleportation because they just emerged in a second of space. 
I loved it. Let me tell you, I loved it. Oh. I, I was living for the madness of the last five minutes of this episode. Like, Karen forgiving Chris for some reason. Steph showing up. Oh. Then the, the hooded figure appearing in a sort of jump scare. John Barnes is in the next time trailer for reasons. What? what I enjoyed... <laughs> <laughs> what I enjoyed about this episode, I'm not sure it's intentional at all, but like I said, the show has been gear- geared up from episode one for have us to go. Jess and Chris did nothing wrong, they just want to avoid how awkward this is. She doesn't want it in the school paper. She doesn't want it in the school paper. <laughs> Who does? Who does? Um, yeah, it took down Brantley Budgeons <laughs> and his coffee breath. But like, the thing is, is the show has built has spent eight weeks building on that, and then the moment that any adult interrogates what's happened in any meaningful way, it all comes crumbling down. Yeah, because it's just like again, yeah, Karen just does the adult thing and just goes, but he's an adult. Yeah, regardless of what he knew about your age, you know, keeping it a secret, asking you to yeah. it, that only benefits him. And then at that point, you go. Oh yeah, it's correct. The show has just poked a massive hole in its own argument yes. over the last eight weeks, but then it still ends up with him winning. Yeah. So it's like it's one of those things that I, I can't look differently on Chris the character because it's just bad writing. Yeah. Is that it's because they've always set up that those two did nothing wrong. Yeah. It's just an unfortunate coincidence. That means that when someone begins to examine actually there are power there are power things in yeah, play yeah. here which are really unsettling. The show goes yeah. And there are power things anyway about an older man going around picking up younger women in bars, well, regardless yeah. of any professional connection. Yeah, yeah. And but again, the show wants to give Chris the out because they've shown that she's gone and done that since. But Chris is the one who's trying to help her. Yeah. So he goes, "Oh, he's a hero. He's an old man and a hero." Technically, he's a hero. Technically. <laughs> and what he technically, technically, he is a hero. <laughs> technically. Um, so the, the next time trailer, uh, uh, Charlie's moving to London. Um, there's a storyline about Grantley teaching the wrong exam texts, and he's getting done for misconduct again. Um, and then John Barnes is there. John Barnes. No, my last, my last night was John Barnes question mark. <laughs> what does the question mark refer to? This is why. Why? Why? Suddenly why? Suddenly why? I tell you what, I loved that episode. I just, it was mad. And I like well, it when the show does mad. The play out music should absolutely be the whatever that you know, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like it's the ultimate nineties noughties tension dance music when Joe just sat in the office. <laughs> I mean it's not gonna be that, it's gonna be Paolo Nettini. Ugh. <laughs> or John Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe John Barnes is that. Well. 